you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. We, we missed our whole talk on First Snow. Forgot to record. <laughs> so, so go on. It's We're talking about First Snow, which we didn't completely enjoy, and we're, we're talking exactly. about that. Yeah, yeah. For, for those coming in late, yeah, we went to see First Snow, which is TSO cover band, and they were good but not great. Yeah. And so we were happy that we paid less than what you pay for TSO because it was worth that. <laughs> yeah, so, maybe. Okay. So anyway, but you were talking about Lorraine. I love where you go into, I, I mean, a whole bunch of things to talk about here. I, I've always loved little downtowns. I grew up in Chicagoland where each of the downtowns, we live in the Chicago suburbs, and Elk Grove didn't really have a little downtown, but some of the older suburbs like Arlington Heights and Displains and so forth had a nice downtown, and it was worth taking the train to it or driving to it, and especially now like for Christmas, where in that four or six blocks, you just had all kinds of fun little boutique stores. There was almost always a bookstore, a toy store, places that were for my geek tastes. They had what I wanted. There might be an ice cream store even in the middle of winter. I'll go and get a, a Baskin and Robbins ice cream or whatever. But it was Bresler's around here in Ohio. That was the oh, yeah. Bible in Chicago. So anyway, I love when they, that we've been in, in a number of them from our travels all around the United States. Sometimes you really find a town that's down on its luck. And it's, it's always a little bit sad. There's some places, restaurants, or a, the one car dealer that are hanging on, but they didn't make that big plan as a community to say, we're just not going to let this happen. We're not going to let Walmart hollow out our downtown. Come on, everybody. We need a coffee shop. We need a clothing store. Right. And, they, and they, I don't know how they do it. They support it. They do cross-selling between the various different stores. They have a kind of a civic fund or whatever. And some of the way you do that is that you don't just depend on only local business you say events let's have yeah, a, like a doggy costume fest yeah, for halloween yep, let's yep. have a christmas lighting ceremony and so i love finding those places that are still doing that because it has all that like wander and discovery of my youth and one of the reasons i said this goes everywhere is i'm really discovering so someone just posted there's a number of wonderful books coming out where here's classic science fiction from the 50s to the 80s. It isn't the very prototypical stuff that happened from H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, but what really grew the field was all this kind of stuff. And a lot of that stuff is now being lost. Yeah. It's not carried by Amazon or a Libris or Bookshop. It just seems to be on the shelves in little used bookstores. And unless you know enough about it to even pick it up in the first place, it's really easy to pass it by. But when I saw this cover, which had, I don't know, six by six, 36 cover, it's like, I've read about half of these and loved every one of them, but I also haven't seen them in 30, 40 years. I'm re-inspired to go to those little used bookstores. We got a couple in Lakewood. There's a couple other ones sprinkled around Cleveland. And in fact, when I first got in town, one of the things I did, how do I get to know a city is I'm going to the bookstores, I'm going to the music stores, I'm going to the game stores. And it took me all around. So I learned, oh, that's where Middleburg Heights is. That's right. where Cleve, you know, Cleveland Heights. And and I have gotten away from that, like all the world has, because Amazon makes it so easy for everything modern and even everything depthy to do that. And yet, not currently. There's any number of things that I added to my queue, honestly, 10 or 20 years ago, where because I am so omnivorous, I hardly buy anything when it first comes out. I wait for prices to drop. I wait yeah. for used versions to come out. But now what I'm finding out is I can't outlast them. It doesn't 
drop in price, it goes away. It becomes unavailable. And so this puzzle that I really would like, now it's not even available. The manufacturer doesn't restock it. I need to get back in the habit of looking for certain things that I really would like and make it a treasure hunt again. And actually that's again for the nostalgia, but really true. Man, when I was growing up, was there anything that I loved more than walking into a used bookstore? Right. And there's that smell of old paper and there's just treasure everywhere. It's sorted, but not exactly. And I laughed about it. What am I going to do when I go into a used bookstore? Come out with a sore neck because I'm going to have to tilt my head like this to read all the spines of the books this way and look specifically. Okay, we're going to start with, oh, well, they, they misfiled A.E. Van Vogt. His last name is Van, but they put it under, and yeah, it was, you really had to go aisle by aisle and shelf by shelf, but I would always walk out of there with three, four, 10 things for good prices that were treasure. And I missed that. I want to do that again, as if I need to have more things in my life. My house is already (laughs) like burgeoning. And yet I'll tell you, it's also, there's a whole bunch of good stuff coming out, but there's also a whole bunch of dreck coming out. Sturgeon's law, the name science fiction wise, is that 90% of everything is crap. And I really am discovering that, that I might have, I, I go online and, hey, give me some recommendations for new stuff. And I've tried, for instance, reading YA fiction. I really, when I was a, a young adult, I liked reading certain things that were adventuresome or calling of age tales or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now any number of things that I've tried, they're like, these aren't young adult. These are just like stupidified books. There's not much difference in plot to plot. There's not, there's so right. many stock characters and just the startlement the wonder that I used to feel for reading a really good experimental, interesting book. And maybe it's because the field is so well plowed that you just don't get that kind of thing. But then I do want to go back to where, what's the first book about cyborgs? Let me read Man Plus by Frederick Pohl about the first time that we talk about human enhancement and what kind of impact that might have on society. And one of the cool things about reading old 50s, 60s, 70s books is what came true and what didn't. Some people really were smart in their extrapolations and some people went, into right field. <laughs> and, and so I, I guess I love, I've always loved that when I read Pulps, how, much, how did I learn so much about the 30s, 40s, 50s of the United States, not from history class, but by reading these books that had the everyday life, the everyday crime life, the scientific discoveries that when they first had working jet planes, when they first discovered that things fluoresce under black light, it was the coolest thing right. to read about when I don't know, antibiotics first became available, that they were miraculous, not just, oh yeah, go get a script and take your Z-Pack and you're done. There's a, a sense of wonder that I guess I'm missing. I agree. Sometimes totally. you got to go back to get the Tarzan and the Doc Savage and the Shadow and all the cool old science fiction. I'm sorry, I haven't let you get a word in, but you, I had this all in me. Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> gotta get it out. But no, I agree. I, I That's why with my kids, when we went on vacation, we always looked for a bookstore or two. And Absolutely. that's why on my author website, I'm putting bookstores I visit, putting pictures, descriptions, links. Yeah, and because they need our support. They, they want yeah. to have a iconic connection, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I want to do is meet up with some of the authors I've interviewed at the bookstores and do like a walkthrough. So we yeah. share the... the exactly. Especially if they're local to the place. I've been out, but we were in um, maybe Yellowstone or Grand Tetons or something like that, there were some authors there that worked particularly in that genre of hardy outdoorsman adventures and stuff like that. And I know with Calvin and Hobbes, you know, Bill Waterston still lives in Cuyahoga Falls. And if you go to the bookstore that's in Cuyahoga Falls, you'll often find he comes in and signs books for them. Yeah. How cool is that? That it's not the big signing event. It's more like nobody really knows what he looks like, except he has caricatured himself. And, and now add 20 years since he came, yeah. went, went away from public life, 
And so you just see this pleasant older man, not older, my age, our age, we're not older, we're still in the prime of life, <laughs> but that, that, the magic gift that he gives from living there, and I love finding that. Colleen has a book from like 18, I don't remember exactly, but it's signed by one of Napoleon's lieutenants. Like she wow. checked into what does this signature mean? And it was like, so what's the provenance of this? Was this given as a gift? Did someone say, hey, you're featured in this book? And so you know what right. the same what we call signature fever that we sometimes have nowadays that must have existed over the course of time that if you have not only frankenstein but frankenstein oh. signed by mary shelley oh my that's Did, pretty cool she touched that book right <laughs> how cool is that didn't you know? uh indiana jones get hitler's signature on the diary <laughs> and, you know right going back to lorraine for a second and the build-up that's what we noticed with the restaurant because it wasn't a layout of a typical restaurant and it right, looks like the walls yeah the walls were newly painted there were still some holes in the ceiling and stuff so it does look like it's revitalizing and i'm excited i like when that happens and we joked about it because yeah we know about this because we played sim city if your little area starts to go on the downcline <laughs> you got to put in a park you have to widen the roads make it more livable make it people want to come downtown so they had christmas lights up and it's funny Colleen and I really still do that as an exploration. We, when we go to not only national parks, but state parks like in Ohio, there's always little towns nearby. And instead of going to the outskirts of town and having crap for McDonald's, we make a right. point of going to like the Ma and Pa restaurant. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't know, Vermilion, for instance, is a really nice older town. They have an, a, a winter festival yeah. every year. And so it's like not only we get to see the cool ice sculptures, but let's go in and have a place where they still make a real malted shake. Where yeah. they put like malt powder in it and it tastes dusty and <laughs> you know what i mean it, it i we have had so many good experiences that it's no wonder that we now do that even more because we just love discovering those places a little i don't know a, a family business that's been in the family for three generations or candy that's still made when i was in champaign urbana for school one of the cool things was there's campus town then all you gotta do is go to downtown champaign or downtown urbana and you find out that these people make candy canes by hand these people were one of the first ones that didn't just let popcorn be, but decided to uh, caramelize it or cheeseize it or whatever else it might be. And that was just like they, th these families had these innovations that it wasn't craft that decided to make popcorn co and then churn out right, on a different right. time. So I've always loved doing that kind of exploration. And sometimes when you're there, you don't just buy things, you like talk with the owners and they are so happy to tell you about yeah, we're in a building that's we've been in this building since 1860 or whatever like that. You know what I mean? Just the other day, I found some Civil War grape shot or something like that. Right. When we had to, you know, push out a wall. I love all of that kind of history. And um, the, I love the, the persistence. You know, there's so many you were just talking about it the other time about anything that breaks. It's just disposable. Yeah. And I like it where people said, no, we're going to keep this tin ceiling. And we're going to like fix the plumbing instead of tear it out because it's cool to have exposed venting or piping or something like that as long as it doesn't sprinkle on the customer. <laughs> you know I mean? and, and, and if anything, we've learned a lot of, man, something that was built 100 years ago out of like cast iron, it is no wonder that it's lasted 100 years. Right. It's not meant to like have to be replaced in 20 years, barely enough PVC pipe to hold the pressure kind of things. Sometimes they said, if I'm going to live in this house, I'm going to make this staircase that it's not ever shifting. It's right. perfectly built. <laughs> right. So we love those older places, the architecture and the 
the pride of it. And, and we've got here in Ravenna, they over the last decade or so, they've been revitalizing it, but trying to make it that old timey feel. They they got some standards for the facade on the front, colors and the way it should look. They've got awnings over things. Um, they put some murals back on the sides of some of the buildings. They put up lights that look like gas lamps, but they're electric and they turn them on at night. Doing free movies on the courthouse lawn. Doing They actually have a group called Main Street Ravenna, and they organize just activities throughout the year. Exactly. Uh, things for kids, things for families. Yeah, for, everything. Like, the local sports team, that kind of thing. It's nice, especially when we went and saw some of the movies out on the courtyard. When the lights come on and it's just, you're looking at, this is pretty. It's not just a rundown garbage heap like it used to be. There's businesses. We have a popcorn business, an ice cream business, a new little winery, one of those hippie smoke shops, just lots of (laughs) cool little stuff to go downtown. Often when like Connie and I, we're not funny. We really spend almost all of our time while we're on our trips, hiking and doing outdoorsy things. But you go to dinner and then you just take a walk through the neighborhood. And I never mind, like small places don't often have the cut rate prices of category killer type stores, but I don't mind paying a little bit more because A, I'm helping them stay open and B, like, here's this, I've got a show. All the things they did to lure me here, make me comfortable, what a cool awning, what beautiful lighting. I, I want to pay for that ambience. Yeah. I'm willing to pay that little extra because you made the experience nice. Instead of walking into a faceless Walmart, Kmart, Target, they really have their uses. Of course, where do I buy bundles of six pairs of white socks? I go to those kinds of places. But for kitschy little cool stuff, I don't know, on our honeymoon, we went to Bar Harbor. Bar Harbor. So do we. And it's, it's a touristy place, so there's nothing of substance there. But every place you go into, they really have, I don't know, here's about the Atlantic and maritime stuff. Here's kitschy little candles. It's all kinds of stuff that just that all those stores that i don't know what i'm going to find so you just walk in and once in a while so we just uh, on our let's see we ended why am i not thinking of the name it'll come to me maybe near we went to the world's biggest cuckoo clock yes a town has a standing cuckoo clock that actually were there for high noon so got to see the little show where they come out and they do the whirling twirling and the umpa band is going and stuff like that and there was a store nearby called something like every season or something and it was extensive, had all kinds of cool stuff, but we just didn't find anything that captured us. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to just spend money to spend money. Right. And, but I was like, well, my usual equation of I want this place to stay open. Surely I can find an ornament. Surely I can find something that I like here. And instead, we just didn't. I don't know if we felt rushed or whatever. And I, wow, I felt bad. You know what I mean? Whatever that little equation, that deal that you make of you're going to go to a small town and support right. it. It was on the way. I think we were on the way back from Marietta, if I remember right. Anyway, it, it's when we've been to Marietta, when we've been, there's all kinds of places around Ohio that it's just worth that exploration. One of the things that breaks my heart is there's a huge used bookstore that opened in Dayton called like Mike's Books, but apparently it was a warehouse and stuff. Never got a chance to make it down there. In all, in because it opened three months before COVID clamped down, and as much as I was like willing to drive two and a half, three hours to Dayton, put on a mask, spend two hours in this place, we never did it, and now I think it didn't make it. I think it closed. Yeah, they did. We've been to Mike's Books. They did. They were closing the last. They were trying to stay open and they were trying to do some things, Uh, but it was a little bit online, a little bit, but just that concentration of 
They had everything. They had all sections of humor and science fiction and history and what I would have been interested in, murder mysteries, film noir, that kind yeah. of stuff. So I'm glad you made it. I'm sorry that we didn't. Oh, so there's another, have you been down by Cincinnati, Dayton, the dollar book stop? No. <laughs> another place would be very dangerous because it's only a dollar. Oh, <laughs> me and Colin went to this. It was at one of the RGs. We said, look, I found this bookstore that everything's a dollar. Let's check it out. It was overstock from other places. Okay, okay, let's check it out. So we GPS it, we get over there and we're driving through what looked like abandoned warehouse district. Everything was run down and, and we're, we right. find, okay, this is the address, but it looks spooky. <laughs> and we're driving, you know, potholes to go behind this building. Right. And he's like, are we going to get shot or something? <laughs> yeah. So we get back there and there's no other cars back there, but there's a warehouse door open. And it had the, the plastic sheeting, like you see for the beef and stuff frozen. Exactly, that they, where they got to keep the cool in, but they yeah. need <laughs> and, and we're like, let's go check it out. And he's, you exactly. go first. You're, so, you're, right. you're packing because right. you and I'll get out of here. Okay. <laughs> we walk in and it's dark. There's a, a little pathway and there's stacks of pallets of boxes of books. And it, it, there's a narrow pathway to walk through it. It's like a haunted house. He and really buys them at pennies on the dollar. Yes. Sell them for a dollar. Okay. And it, it's dark. And we're like, okay, this is a little spooky. And then we come around this corner and there's a whole section of the warehouse cleaned up, lit, and they have bookshelves up and there's people browsing. And it, what it was is they were one of the drops for Amazon clear back in the day when it first started. And so they had... When you order books online, it says there's a thousand available. Like they had those thousand books. That's and cool. since they don't sell as much of that older stuff, they put it into this dollar book stop. And it's wow, this, but we really thought we were going to die. <laughs> see, I love those Oz moments. You know, I mean, it's again talking about older theaters. So, first time we went to the Akron Civic Theater, when you go in, it's really run down in the entrance hallway near the tickets and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then you enter the actual theater and it's Totally restored, beautiful old Baroque theater, yeah. cherubs and the clouds floating across the ceiling yeah. and stuff. But getting in there, you're like, man, is this going to be where my seat is at an angle and there's springs <laughs> popping up? That, I, I love when that you turn a corner and it's good. Absolutely. So it, it being Christmas, I know you do a lot of things like with cards and you send stuff out. We pulled all our stuff out, getting ready to decorate. And we didn't, exactly. I'm surprised we didn't this weekend. But I found... We went to Daffins and Cranax a couple weeks ago. Talked about that. Mm -hmm. At Daffins, I was looking at the Christmas ornaments, and cool. they had Star Wars and Star Trek Christmas ornaments, new ones. Yeah. The Star Trek ones was the whole, like the whole cast crew in the Mirror Universe outfits and Spock with that. The Van Dyke and everything. Yes. Exactly. That's funny. But they were, they talked, you pressed a button and they talked, but they were all Bluetooth and interactive. So you'd start one and others would respond and they would play out the whole scene through the ornaments. The more figures that you had, the more you could get all. Yes. How, how then, addictive is that? Oh, That's very smart. I had okay. to walk away because they had yeah. Luke and the droids and Obi-Wan and it was talking on tattooing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. That's very good. Wow. We have our, we do a Christmas tree every year that we had a wonderful tradition that started. It's funny. In, in the, the earliest days of Colleen and my marriage, we discovered that we love state capitals because we stopped in Montpelier on the way to Bar Harbor. And it was like this picture, perfect dome, perfect gardens, perfect steps going up. 
you get a picture on the steps, prove you were there. And we really said, well, this is where every state really like struts its stuff and puts its best foot forward. We should do this everywhere. And we've now seen 48 out of 50. We've seen everywhere but Alaska and Hawaii because they're not an easy drive, <laughs> especially no. Hawaii. <laughs> if you could drive it, I'd love to find out how. <laughs> exactly. But another thing that was that we found ornaments in Bar Harbor and was like, we got married in September, our first Christmas coming. Who else in Ohio is going to have a lobster on their tree? And that little, it's turned into, we have ornaments from everywhere. Some people collect a plate, a spoon, something that's a, a little memento of where they've been. Ornaments have turned out to be one of those things that many places carry them. I never knew that because I never looked for them before in that way. But we have a cactus with lights on it from Sedona. We right. have the lobster from Bahaba. We have a little, you know, manatee. We love going to Christmas stores in specific, like the one in Frankenmuth and Tis the Season here, where, like you just said, they have all the Star Wars. They have all of the how the Grinch stole Christmas. So we have a Grinch on our tree. We have Herbie the Elf from Santa Claus is coming to town. I, I love that. Dentist, you know? So every time we trim our tree, it not only is beautiful because it's not just all the same red, green ornaments. It's this wonderful walk down memory lane of, look all the places we've been. Look how, how rich our life, our marriage together has been with, this one's from Texas, this one's from North Dakota, this one's from, it's just been such a good idea, yeah. a much better idea than we knew what we were getting into when we started. You know what I mean? So right. yeah. Elvis from Tupelo got a, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> and <laughs> I got, I love the different Santa clauses. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the traditional Coca-Cola red suit Santa, okay. uh, which is where that came from. If people didn't know, I love other countries with the outfits that they envision Santa. And I have a right. whole collection. And they're gentle with animals. And they, you know, yes. they come on the sixth as well as on the 25th. You know yeah, what I mean? I've got These, a whole bundle. And there's Krampus. There's the, the that's yeah. put kids in the sack and beat them if they've been right. bad. <laughs> which, which, by the way, me and Reese on the horror movie review podcast, Krampus is the next movie we're reviewing. Because it's that's hilarious. Time. How how timely? How perfect? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, <laughs> so, but this year I found you, you seen those like little gnome guys where the hats all the way down and you just see the beard under the hat. Yeah. I got one of those skiing, so that's my Santa <laughs> this year. Last year or two years ago, I forget which. Gina got me a Santa. It, it wasn't because of what it was. It was just, I didn't have anything that looked like that. He was in uh, striped pajamas, carrying a mug of cocoa with a teddy bear, but it was a black Santa instead of a white Santa. And that's the first one like that. And I'm like, do they have like Native American Indian and something or give me something different? I love that. And exactly. It's so funny though, because when I saw it, I picked it up and said, this is really cool. And somebody goes, are you getting it because it's black? I'm like, oh, I, I actually didn't realize it was, yeah. I didn't enter my mind that he's black. It just looked really cool. That's part of it, but it's not the most important part of it. Exactly. Look at me, he's got a teddy bear. And, you know, that guy's and we actually black. had some people, you know, come in, they're looking at our decorations. They're like, why would you have a black Santa? You guys aren't, damn, what is wrong with you? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, honestly. I, uh, so we've noticed that we've been going to Christmas stores for a long time. I think it's wonderful that they've started to have. Everybody is represented with Santa Claus, with nutcrackers, with elves. Yeah. You know what I mean? That it's just, it should be that everybody, just like they made crayons so that everybody can get, like, flesh is not only Caucasian flesh. Oh, I love them. So everybody can get their colors their of shade. the world crayons. Yeah. It's wonderful. Exactly. And I, I think we, for instance, we have a couple of Santas, like one in Bermuda, Bermuda shorts, 
you know, yes. because I don't know that we have a black Santa, but it's not because it's only because we haven't found one, not because we, oh, we can't have right. They're, they're wow. not out there, but they if should be. Any time around the, the of the year that you should all come together and not Christmas fascist way, but like how what a wonderful thing that all of what this represents that there should be, if it's not Santa, then it's three wise men. You know what I mean? In fact, that, that I know. That's where we, I guess, we have darker skin. You know what I mean? Well, what? Our Melchior and Balthazar were not three guys from Cleveland. Exactly. Why are they always the white East? guys? They weren't. Exactly. I mean, you know what I mean? So that actually cool. bothers me more than if they put them white. No, I, I want what it's supposed to be. Of like, course, we could go on and on about what Jesus would really look like, but. Um, and that's for any nativity scene that yeah. is, like, again, out of. Coca-Cola product Santa as a right. or Jesus or right. wise men or baby Jesus. Exactly. So we saw something really <laughs> cool with a celebrity type comment. So what if it was a battle duo set, it was something out of China, those weird little stuff you get, but it was a Godzilla doll and a Jesus doll. And it was a versus battle. And they had like <laughs> army tanks and all sorts of stuff with it. And right. <laughs> yeah, Jason Hawes, who is the main guy of Ghost Hunters uh, on TV. Okay. All these people were making comments like bad, negative, mad, blah, on and on. He goes, you know what? I grew up Catholic. I went to school on Sunday and Sunday school. I went to uh, mass on Wednesdays. Got I my went, catechism, got my yeah, information. Did all of that. Mass. He's uh. like, people, Jesus would think this is funny. Lighten up. <laughs> exactly. Isn't so, South Park became famous. They got their first big break because they did that. Santa versus Jesus Christmas card. I right? watch it every year. Amazing. You know what I mean? And just, I don't know. That's, it isn't even worth talking about this. The war on Christmas is ridiculous. I agree. Anybody that really is like determined to take this wonderful, joyful, everyone is sharing holiday and make it into that there's only one way. Uh, there's a standard, there's a rigorous, terrible yelling at you standard for what, I don't know. It, I just, you, it, that's such a litmus test for me is if I say happy holidays or Merry Christmas or happy Hanukkah or happy Kwanzaa and someone barks at me and tells me, nope, wow, your terrible fascist Christianity is showing, boy, and as you just said, Jesus would like turn your tables over. Yeah. At me saying Merry God. Christmas. Wow. Exactly. So stop being a Pharisee. Yeah. And start being, you know what I mean? Oh, well. <laughs> me, me saying Merry Christmas is not the problem. It's you getting so mad and yelling at me. That's the problem. That's right. So. And by the way, if you were to show me giving the Beatitudes, I really prefer that to you showing me on the cross. How about that? You think I want to be reminded of that? I know no. that's well-mined territory amongst any number of cartoonists and, and right. comedians and stuff. And yet that has always, it just, it makes me sad that instead of, all the number of times that the word love is mentioned in the Bible, love thy neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. And yet what they refer to is to the Old Testament, the flaming jerk God that was going to destroy whole cities or tell you all the things you're not allowed to do. And back then it wasn't a matter of God's will. It was a matter of social things that say, you know why you don't want to eat shrimp? Because you'll die. Because we don't have refrigeration. You know what I right. mean? We oh. around here, we don't even say God anymore. We just say Chuck. Because that was what his name was on Supernatural. So we'll go, shuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned instead of Gesundheit, I say Godzilla because it's funny. And they, and they first they look at you. Did you just say, at least you didn't correct me with God bless you. You know what I mean? It's, I don't want to fight about this. It's I'm wishing you good health. I'm, I'm being such a decent guy about a right. sneeze. And this is your opportunity to jump on me. 
wow, you've got bigger problems than a common cold, my friend. <laughs> and, they, and they don't realize oh. it. That's the problem. <laughs> so speaking of Santas, yes, I am pondering something for this year. So my father has a Santa suit and he used to play Santa for like my aunt's Christmas party for us kids. Sure. And he actually did the Santa for the choir concert down at the school when I was in middle school. And so I have the suit. Time to suit up. Yeah, Gina you, has a couple you'd friends. You'd be a great Santa, Stephen. You'd be great. You got I, the whole ho going. You got the well. Okay, <laughs> so so I, I want to test it with a couple of her friends from work that have little kids. We okay. want to try and set that up. But here's my thing that I've thought of for years. Why is it that Santa watches you, knows every kid and everything about you, but when you go up to sit on his lap, he says, "So what's your name?" Don't you know that? <laughs> Right. Instead, it should be that right. the mom whispered and you get to say, Billy, have you been good this year? And Billy's eyes will go, he really knows. Of course, there's a geek solution for this. Right. Um, it's all the mentalist things that that yeah, use. Okay. Even better than that. You always have a line going up to Santa and they have a path and there's elves, blah, blah, blah. All Santa needs is an earpiece and you have your elves talking to the parents. What's their names and what do they want? And plenty then of it, opportunity to overhear and then pass that info along to the yeah, big man. Yeah. That's so cool. So <laughs> I'm like, that. that's if Ravenna's doing stuff, that's what I'm going to work up to. I'm not going to try and get overweight. We'll figure something out for that. <laughs> but I've seen Santas now that aren't big, fat, overweight because people like the health push. So they he's a little trimmer. Exactly. So. I haven't been eating all those cookies they put out for me. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm eating carrot sticks now. You know, that right. kind of thing. So I'm, I might test it this year and just see, because it, it, it's a really nice suit. He spent three or 400 yeah. bucks on it in the 80s. Yeah. So. I know there's like Santa colleges. There's yes. They supply all of the department store Santas and all the parades and stuff like that. They really have a thing of, here's how to be one. Here's how to get the right voice. And here's how to pay attention to the kids. And when they say they want a bike, you you like, what color would it be? Engage and make it so that first experience is magical for the kids. Yes, absolutely. So I and think you'd be great at it, man. I, I think it'd be fun. Okay. And and not not at all to steal your thunder, but people have said that I should try it too. You you, know you got I mean? the build. You got the right look. Guy. I got the exactly like all I gotta do is grow out the white. Now that I really am proto Santa, <laughs> I really right. could grow the beard out and and I don't know. There's a couple of people that just like we have people immensely that look like Albert Einstein or that look like Santa. I don't know that I want to go Santa full time. I'd have right. to like, okay, it's September 1st. Time to get to work on the beard. <laughs> okay, here's a good story with my kids. Um, one, when IHOP or whatever came out with the eggnog pancakes, we were like, okay, we're going to go to IHOP in the morning. And I said, you guys are going to be late for school. I don't care. It's Christmas time. We're going to IHOP. There so it go. was the 23rd. It was like their last day of school, two days before Christmas. And we go to IHOP, we, we're getting the eggnog pancakes, which sucked horribly. We hated every bit of it. Oh, but we're no. sitting okay. there, <laughs> and this guy comes walking in, big guy, roundish, long white beard, and he's in a UPS outfit. And Colin goes, Daddy, did Santa's sleigh break? And he's pointing <laughs> at the UPS guy, and I'm like, maybe that's how he gets them all stationed and delivered. So Hilarious. I have had that in, we started joking. It's like my one series story the kids, the one I do at the supernatural and the kids in it, I have an idea for a story and I should have wrote it already of them finding Santa that his sleigh is broken down. They have to help save Christmas. And so they hooked the reindeer up to a UPS truck to help deliver 
the, yes. That's funny. And I've, I should have wrote it. I've had it in my head for years, <laughs> but it was so funny. I got a picture of the guy. He looks like freaking Santa in a UPS. Exactly. This is what he does the other 11 months out of the year is that he <laughs> runs the truck and he's already got the whole delivery mentality. He knows what he's doing. Right. So right. Very, very funny. <laughs> so before we get off uh, Christmas, we've right. talked and we, we didn't do it this year, but we've talked about doing a little contest for programming to make Christmas lights displays. And I've got a guy that does it in a website. I'll send it over to you. So we should plan that for next year so we can uh, take whatever time we need. Dueling fences, exactly. Yeah, get the stuff. Bless you. I've had that idea ever since I went to a maker fair and someone was showing videos of what they had done. I I just, I haven't invested. I haven't invested the time or the money into getting, because it really is not just your standard strings of lights. If you do a little bit of investigation, you have to get the programmable lights. And often they're like a 10 by 10 or a 100 by 100 skein that you put on various different things but then each of those is individually addressable so you can do your washes of color your snowflakes flittering down and i really want to do that the fact that we have a fence that we could have on the other side of the fence this display i want to cause a traffic jam because we have the cool christmas train that goes along we have the cool snowflake display it would really be a fun like contribution to the community yeah exactly and to keep my programming hand in you know what i mean well, <laughs> that's the thing we've talked a lot about the raspberry pi and i've been thinking about it and i'm like oh my gosh when my brain starts turning on it i'm like i've got half a dozen cool things i can do that you don't see on the ones you buy at the store i i sent, sent you a message for the one i'm like what about people write on a piece of paper their name and the camera reads the name and then puts their name up in lights better yet what if it detected voices and it, it listens would, in and yeah says, how and you it, doing there sally you know and like, it does the, the face that talks back to you <laughs> uh, like the magic mirror stuff or and you could have people that you could do a, a touch screen display and you know pick your combination and they could you know pick these four combinations and save it as ronnie's Thing and it would play those exactly it's a segue to something that we just talked about last week but didn't go into a ton of detail time magazine had its list of yes. 100 inventions for this year and one of the things that's making the miraculous real are things like that that you can do real-time voice recognition i i remember pursuing um ocr optical character record and that being like wow you're 90 percent of the way there but still the amount of time that you do to fix things it's i should have just typed it in myself Voice recognition was like that for a long time. And now that chips are fast enough and AI is good enough that they actually have machine learning behind it and stuff like that, you not only can have voice recognition, you have near instant trans translation from one language to another. It's amazing. All those things we laugh about. If, if we want to make a better future, just make everything, make everything on Star Trek real. I got a tricorder that's going to check your medical. I've got a, a computer that listens and gets you a cup of Earl Grey hot. You know what I mean? It's just, I love that. It's called a wife. Coming real. The Dick Tracy wrist radio, as you were just pointing at. And so that kind of thing that in your hands, in a, a Raspberry Pi or Arduino box with a little chip that does voice recognition, hundred bucks, you can have it be that a little kid's going to walk up and is going to say, hey, Billy, welcome. I hope you like the lights. And he's just going to be, maybe it won't be that amazing now because maybe it's becoming common to have devices talk to you. or but but there's got to be this cool transition period of 10 20 years yeah. where it's still amazing to have me walk up and did it read the chip in my arm did it do my right. 
My, I didn't touch it yet, so it's not fingerprints. Did it read my retinas? Voice recognition spooks some people, but I just love that idea of going to a restaurant and saying, hey, Al, last time you had the uh, sauerkraut and ribs. Would you like that again? A little spooky, but it's I can offload so many things yeah. into the cloud, into this cloud 2.0, cloud 3.0, where the whole world is AR augmented for my interaction. That right. everywhere I go, it's going to be like a little bit of, hey, it looks like your boots are getting worn. If you're going to go on that hike that we know you have planned for the Grand Tetons, there's a little bit, I guess it's depending on what we do with it, right? If it's right. That's... benevolent or if it's spooky, well, weird surveillance. But theme. we've already you know got I mean? that. We've already <laughs> got that in some ways with some of the Google stuff. If I get on Chrome and I do a search, I'll go on my phone and suddenly I'm getting ads for what I searched for on that. So we've right. already got some of that. I commented on how that's unnerving because that doesn't seem to be, it is a little bit in service to me, but it's stupid. But just that. So hmm, I just bought a pair of skis and then it keeps showing me skis. My friend, I guarantee you, if I bought a pair of skis, I don't need two and three and four. <laughs> I'm going to use these season and whatever other things matter. But there, I like it when it's okay. I just bought, I don't know, this brand of clothing. And then it might show me, well, did you know that they also do? And so you right. can supplement and add, and uh, I don't mind them learning some of my tastes, I guess, and customize themselves to me, whatever that interesting, I'm not sure if the uncanny valley is not the right term, whatever that tipping point is of where now it's not helpful, now it's spooky. That's <laughs> the fine line that we have to be doing with AI nowadays, that it doesn't come across as surveillance and control that comes across as helpful. You know what I mean? And, but and, the and, problem is with everything that, Google and Facebook does with that info. It is surveillance and the secret service after you and stuff. So that's a rough thing. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, this was, I think it's 25 years ago now. I read a great article in probably Wired Magazine. I'm trying to think who it was by, maybe David Gerald or something that pretty much said privacy is dead. Yeah. If you're fighting that battle, you've already lost. There's no way that you're going to get off of all the cameras that are surveilling you and all the things that are listening in and all the, the, the advertisement that you're going to get served up to you to try to increase sales because all that money that can just sales up by a half a percent, that's coupon rate. We've been doing those kinds of mailings forever that yeah. you can still be successful in something blunt. And the more that you can get rid of the course and go towards the fine, they really are going to seek that out. And so I think that what I want to do is if the world's heading that way, I want to be one of the ones that says, how am I going to make that so that it's more useful than controlling, that it's acceptable to be like that. And maybe it's going to be a generational change that whatever people of, of our age might've said, well, I'm not going to give you my email address because I want to avoid spam. Nobody thinks that way nowadays of a certain <laughs> age or younger. They just, they participate. They know that the cost of all this stuff being free is that little bit about me and you can serve up ads to me and and I didn't want to give up the free. There's another great quote. If you want to predict the future, uh, um, create it yourself. You know yes. what I mean? I like maybe that's even from Steve Jobs, I think. And so just that, I, I still, I have not done much to impact the world deeply through coding for a long time now. But at, at one point I was, I was the guy that wrote the Moscow Commodity Exchange and stuff like that. So right. I want to like, how can I get in front of that and get back into the AI field, which at one point I was really pretty good at, and start to say games aren't the only ones that can learn and monsters aren't the only ones that can respond to how you move and what weapon you pick. You can start to make it that kind of cool thing also applies to you go into a hardware store and it says, besides the can of paint you're here to pick up, you mentioned over the course of these last three months that you were also were thinking of getting a new rake or getting a, you that you burnt out some bulbs and they're a very particular kind. And so I wouldn't mind my phone or even 
something in the store saying, Mr. Baltus, is that you? Why, yes, I, I kind of don't mind. Like I said, and maybe because as I get older, my memory is still really freaking sharp. I know that's another thing that I don't want to embrace the stereotype of I'm getting absent-minded because I'm not. <laughs> but what I also realize is I don't have a problem with offloading some of that. Why do I make lists? Why do I have ticklers in my calendar? Because I don't want to have to maintain all that in my little brain. My little, my big brain wants to think about bigger things. And so the more that I can do to get that out there where it's going to be in service to me, I think that's really cool. You know what I mean? And, and I already have, you thought about going to this show. Are you going to buy tickets now or are you going to let it go? And I have my created my own set of ticklers. Apple just came out with cool notifications that kind of let you scale things according to that. I'm working. Don't let anybody interrupt me. Not nobody, because I want my wife to be able to reach me right. in this emergency. And so hopefully the trade-off between how much time I put into maintaining that set of priorities, those lists, whatever, is worth my not missing things that I don't want to, or my not being interrupted by things that I do want to keep out. It's still a learning process and juggling act, but I want to learn about it because I think that the the far side of that is, I'd love to have the world cater to me. I'd love to have the world always be benevolently talking to me of, hey, you're taking your pills today? You really depend on those pills for your health. And once in a while, I, I, you, we went through breakfast and I didn't hear the jingle of the pill bottle. I know that sounds spooky, but in the privacy of my own home, I'm okay with. What am I going to name my computer? Hal, exactly. It's funny. Nothing immediately springs to mind. And I would have thought like, I don't want, I don't want it to call me master. That seems weird. Right. You know, I, and I don't want to call it slave. How about, um, Hey pal. Hey buddy. And just like Siri, I could just go with the standard, but I kind of want it to be that if I can have a relationship, you know what I mean? Maybe I'll call it Fenris. That was my good dog. That's my little doggy that I had to let go away. Maybe I'll call it Fenris. So it's like, and of course I had to explain that's the God of the wolves in Norse mythology. He's the one that like, bites tears hand off at right. Ragnarok and stuff maybe not the best name but I like it <laughs> because he can also be fearsome he's my guard dog he right. guards my, my cyber life my possessions etc cetera, etc cetera. so <laughs> and, 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 you know there's a lot of uh, people are funny there's a lot of talk about security and a lot of talk about privacy in this and people, we talked about this, they, they cover up their camera. Uh, ooh, that's scary. Someone's go peek at me through my camera. But then they use the same password for everything. They never clean their browser cache. They send passwords and stuff through emails. It's okay. You're like, you put the lock on the door, but you left the key hanging off the lock. It doesn't help that much. <laughs> that's right. I, some people need to, whatever that locus of control that they have is, they need to feel that they're doing something, but the overall ton of work that it takes to really be right that way, they're not willing to do it. And so, I don't know, is halfway secure? It's all incremental. Maybe it's better than none. But then what I always try to, boy, I just have had this conversation for the last 40 years of my life about how to be proportionate, about how to have discernment, that life isn't yes, no. Life right. isn't a series of bracket things where someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. There's I have a thing that I've called the choosinator for a long time. It's a little spreadsheet where you say, I got to make a decision. What are all the factors that I care about in that decision? And what are the weights for those things? Because they're not all equal. Right. And then you see how much does, I'm going to buy a car. I have these 10 things. The, what matters to me? The quality, the color, the um, noise level, whatever else it might be. And this is a one to 10. And then you multiply all that through. And it says, comparing all the cars you've talked about, this guy is an 87 and this guy is a 63. It's out of consumer reports because they often do this kind of reductive analysis, but boy, has it been handy for making a decision where 
a lot of people have a lot of opinions on the weights of various different things. And so you don't want to say the only thing that mattered was this one fact. We looked at all 10 of those things, but it turns out that one thing is not the most important compared to the right. overall. Having said, that's how the world is just in conversation with people. People like get one idea and they fixate on it. It's like, but the world is messier. It's more complex. There's more to it than that. Please don't let that one thing override everything else because raising a child, the only thing that matters is education. No, it matters about education and socialization and health and their sense of adventure or their sense of security. Like I can just start naming things. They spring to mind without even trying hard. How does that not happen for others? How do they just get shunted into a single, you know, like one rail when there's all these tracks that they could use to get to a solution. Like I become, I don't even know, an advocate. I continually bring that up because it weirds me out to have people have binary thinking instead of complex multitudinal thinking because it's so much of the world is just that way. Oh, yeah. There's different things. Some people are very binary on some things, but not on others. It's like everything. It's complex. That's right. And even in that, how often do I apply this thing? I don't apply it to every single decision. If I'm looking at like candy bars, I'm going to be like, I feel like this one. I'm not going to take the time. What's the, you know, think of how much you could get bogged down in analysis paralysis of, but why has to go through this rigorous process? No, then it's a matter of scale as to this cost. Arguably, (laughs) arguably, you're really probably still doing all those steps. It's just quicker with less things on each side. If you really sat down, okay, you probably have done this where you have some task or whatever as an exercise in programming class or in school and flow chart it out every step of the way. Like just making a peanut butter jelly sandwich, you could flow chart that out to a hundred steps with decisions, but we don't think of it that way. But that's what they all are. We're just choosing the candy bars the same way. I know I really like that but I also like that with milk chocolate and almond, which do I feel like at the moment? That's the one I'll get. It's just quicker and more internalized. Yeah. Uh, it's So even that, how to make a decision is itself its own process. The yep. first thing I think of is how much time am I willing to put into this? How much cost is it? How much risk is it? Like if the cost of failure is next to nothing, I'll experiment all over the place. If the cost of failure is high, I'll say, well, before I take that first step, let me at least clear out the worst of the possibilities so that I'm always working towards a solution. And it just that, it, it, I guess that's life, right? That's you people have experience. And indeed what you just said, if I've made a hundred peanut butter sandwiches before, I don't need to go through the whole process. I kind of can get to that place instead of opening up the fridge and getting the ingredient out and closing it again. And let's make it a more complex sandwich, a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. You don't open the fridge three times. You get three things out with the door open right. once you and hope. array your stuff. And so you, you learn how to do things efficiently or joyfully or less risky you know what i mean if you're going to make a bacon less than big sandwich but you can't some things i could make a peanut butter sandwich and leave it out on the counter for a while not something that's going to spoil or going to taste funny because now it's warm (laughs) or whatever else so you know i guess it's a little bit of codifying life but then just asking those questions of how'd you make that decision once in a while i get floored with someone bought a car and so i like ah so you don't care about its mileage? You don't care about how safe it is? You don't care about the quality of the company behind it so that they're not going to go out of business and leave you hanging? Oh, like the red one. I know people that do that. Five years when you're crying about that hasty decision. <laughs> and yeah, they do. But that's how a lot of people think. Why do you think there's so many impulse buys in the checkout aisles? 
Absolutely. The fact that, that, that advertising wants you to do that and supermarkets are great about that. Malls are great about how they place their stores and what music they have playing. That's going to say, go ahead and buy, go ahead and buy. That's yeah. that's gonna, you know what I mean? <laughs> the colors, <laughs> what colors your product is and stuff. That's right. There's all kinds of psychology that's working against thoughtfulness. And so I don't, I'm, I'm not immune to it. I know there's any number of times that I must've been, don't know why, but I feel like eggnog pancakes. I saw an ad and it sounded, <laughs> and it's like, I never had them before. So I, I have a novelty thing. Sure. I'm going to go try them. And once, you know, I, I understand that I'm as subject to that as everybody else. But I think that in that moment of decision, Colleen and I were just talking about this too. Boy, <laughs> I went through some very interesting courses in like the mid nineties about getting off autopilot. You and I, I, I had, my marriage didn't work out and I was determined to not make mistakes of that kind again. It was so painful and I hurt myself and other people and all that kind of stuff. And so some of these courses were just being more aware of who you are and what are your motivations and that, that don't just make thoughtless decisions. There's always a moment of decision where you can take that time to say, so for instance, people have emotions but they aren't their emotions. I have them, but I can also shed them. I can put them away. I can turn them off for a moment. So instead of responding in anger, responding in lust, responding in fear, you really get a chance to say, who am I? Who am I going to be in this moment? And I am not that thing. I might have that thing and I get past it. And that has proven very useful in all those ways of just understanding yourself first. The fact that I know that I have you know, proclivities towards collecting things. I'm a hoarder. That informs I have bought less at, at a lesser clip than I did all through when I was first making good money as a consultant. And it's like, I can have every comic book in the world, then I will. <laughs> you know? And so all that, I guess, is to say coming to now, it's like Christmas is especially for that. I'm trying to find nice things for Colleen and I'm giving her a wish list. And in some cases, people talk about, wow, it's really hard for me to make a wish list. Not for me. I really have an endless number of things that I want, but even that exercise is, so if I put them in priority, I can really like these top five, eight, 10 things. And then after that, it's, I would like to have those, but I, don't, I why have I not bought them already now? Because they're not at my price point. I tend to get CDs right. for seven bucks and things don't come down for 15 nowadays because of all kinds of different factors. And so I'd like to have that. If someone gave me that as a gift, I'm going to be overjoyed. And yet, Somehow, I didn't give myself that gift. So there's a psychological interesting thing. Right. My standard for not spending more than seven bucks sometimes hurts me, and I don't get the Jethro Tull album for three years after it's issued because they wouldn't lower the price, those bastards. I was used to being able to wear them down. <laughs> yeah, you get that a lot, especially with the music and books and uh, movies, because they have them digitally, and they just the prices never move except for the sales every now and then. Right. And that, like the books... They've actually, when they release, the publishers release books, they put the price up high and sometimes higher than the print book because they want people to get the print book because that's how it's always been. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> they're well aware of that whole curve that says the people who really need to have it first, they're going to pay the premium price. And then there's a certain amount of, okay, now it's a bestseller. So people who like bestsellers, I like following other people's taste to tell me what's yeah. the quality. Then there's this price. And then it goes on sale and eventually goes down to remainders and all the kinds of things you talked about for the dollar warehouse. And so I kind of, and then the, the risk is like what I just said about, I don't know, calendars. I tend to go buy calendars on January 1st because a whole bunch of places have them for half price. What I've discovered is now they know that there's, they only put a certain amount of all these various different things. 
And there's all kinds of calendars that I used to like getting that apparently I'm not the only one that likes having those. And so they are not available. I have to go to four stores and finally find it instead of the calendar store having all the things that I might want. Right. So I guess the risk I take on is I'm willing to save seven bucks a calendar, but miss out on a few because my taste again is broad enough. But I feel bad about now that I know that the fractals one is going to sell out. I really want that. Am I willing to buy it for 15 when I first see it? Because my experience is, wow, it sold out three years in a row. I miss it. I'm going to, so I'm being trained and I'm yeah. training myself yeah. in the same way that they are. There's this life of algorithms that they're very smart about, like straight out of foundation. People are individually quite unpredictable, but in groups, they're vastly predictable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Human beings like to think that we're all independent decision-making machines. I'm independent no. just like everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> with this thin veneer of civilization on top of a whole bunch of animalistic impulses and that they've learned how to, right. how to use that. A little bit of what you said about Broca's brain, about our amygdala, our fear factor and our joy factor and stuff. There's a whole kind of stuff about how to get right past your rationality and go right to there. Right. <laughs> you know, anyway, right. anyway. Do you have, yeah. I, I have some video game and stuff updates. Do you have any investing updates? Actually, no. Let's go to video games. I'm in the doldrum. Nothing oh. spectacular has happened lately. Okay. Okay. Well, Thanksgiving weekend, nobody probably was doing much, you would think. <laughs> so... I found a new game console that came out at the end of last year. It's about a year old. I didn't okay. know about it, but I think I might have to go get me some, some of that. And it's not your standard Nintendo it's, or... It's not Microsoft. Nintendo. It's not Xbox. It's not okay. PlayStation. You know okay. what it is? Tell me. It's an Atari. I thought that they were all in a landfill in Utah somewhere. No, Nevada. A no. brand new Atari console. It's called the Atari 800 VCS. It's black and it looks similar to the old wood grain Atari 2600s. Exactly. We had to blow on the yes. <laughs> cartridge to make them work. Yeah. Here's what I think is cool about. Now, is it like the most spectacular console? Let's go blow away PlayStation, Xbox. Not for a modern gamer that wants the highest resolution and that's all they care about is the best picture for first person that's not it it has a lot of the old atari 2600 5200 and 7800 and arcade games in it we through must have talked about this a little bit because now they can like include not cartridges they can include 64 of these classic right. in the device itself okay. so they got it in there they redid the old joystick and released it with that so it's got one button and it's a joystick but it has like a home button and stuff like modern and it also has a gamepad for newer games. Got it. It connects to, and you can play games from Ant Stream Arcade, which I hadn't heard of. I'll oh, put a link in the now. show notes. Okay. It's a cloud service that they offer old games, old arcade games, old Atari games, old, I don't know about Nintendo. I played Space Invaders the other day for a while. Wow. Okay. But they added challenges. So you get uh, your little bonus points to put on social media. And they have tournaments that you can play, like Mortal Kombat and stuff against people, okay. move up the ranks. So it, it's kind of cool. I'm like, that would be fun. And they have their own Atari store. So you can buy, they release new games every Friday and they're like old game. Uh, yeah, exactly. But so got all the old code and their upgrade. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it gets even better from my viewpoint that I'm concerned. Okay. So they had their store is indie friendly. So if you program, uh, a game in Unity, you could get it put on the Atari store. 
store as long as it's uh, meets their requirements. Okay. Exactly. And I'm like, that's cool. And they even show on the website, they push Linux and Unity for programming on Linux. So you don't have to have Mac or Windows. And that's cool. Then I it, do, by the way, own some shares of Unity. So yes, good idea. I'm only using the free version because I haven't made a hundred thousand on my game. Okay. So you're not getting <laughs> anything from me. Um, but then it also you can hook up an external hard drive or a USB stick, and you can boot Windows or you can boot Ubuntu and run. Cool. You could run Windows with Microsoft Office and everything from this little console. Off of this little console, this this cigarette cigar box. Size. Yeah. That's very cool. So I'm like, I might get me one of those. Tech Miracle. I, what a great idea. We, we've talked a little bit before about Steam and GOG and all those games that are being revived. And some of the ways, like you just said, they're being extended. It's not only, hey, you can play this. They actually now have, here's all the 34 different challenges for, can you get all these things away from yes. the trolls in the least amount of time or whatever else it might be? So the fact that there's active interest and additions and improvements to it is it's not only a nostalgia fest, it's actually, it's a whole different game, not only because of the higher resolution, but because they've got different cool dynamics that now matter. Yeah. And I like the ingenuity that goes into that. So very interesting. So the VCS, the 800 VCS. Yep. Okay. And one last thing I forgot about, um, it will connect and play games from other companies' cloud stores. So Google Stadia, PlayStation okay. Cloud, and Xbox Cloud Gaming. Yeah. You could get a subscription to Xbox Cloud Gaming. There's 100 games on there, and you can play every single one of them through this console. Through this guy. See, I love that. Whatever they've got with the API and the connectivity that lets you do that, I love having all my stuff in one place instead of <laughs> right. trying to remember, where did I buy Bard's Tale again? And those kinds of things. Right. So very cool. All right, so, that's that. Yeah, maybe. Is Santa going to get you one, Gina? Well, I got my birthday <laughs> and Christmas. So I got oh, a good chance. I've never known when your birthday was. It's coming up in December. It's Aren't a like, week before Christmas. Okay. So on that Beethoven's might, birthday. Yeah, that's very cool. That's it. My mind being in August, it's always been, there's no other holidays around me. I always got to like kind of make it into a fun little cookout birthday and stuff. Nice. I'm sorry if you ever got partially grinched by being so close to Christmas. So what's so funny? It never bothered me a whole lot. It was just, that's what it is. Because my aunt was on the 24th. My other aunt was the 31st. And my uncle was the 21st, first day of Christmas or of winter. So it's a family thing for your your... Okay. Yeah. So we used to celebrate one big birthday with all of us. But the funny thing is, uh, you always get those people that, well, here's one gift. I'm like, you gave all my cousins two gifts, birthday and Christmas. I'm getting yeah. one, and whatever. One for Christmas. Yeah. But my mother did the opposite. She so wanted to separate my birthday and didn't want me to feel bad that she refused to let us put up Christmas decorations or Christmas music or anything. Finally, when I got old enough, I'm like, why can't we put up Christmas decorations like everybody else? She's like, I didn't want to take away from your birthday. I'm like, you're taking away from Christmas. <laughs> Let's get them up. So it was very sweet that she was that thoughtful, but <laughs> thoughtful. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you got any music or movies or books or anything this week? Yeah. So I, I just finished reading Doomsday Clock, rereading Doomsday Clock. And boy, I, I can go on too much. I will say it's perfect for the... Um, is it's a sequel to Watchmen, and that is a everyone's top ten list, best stuff ever done. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, what a great story! This is the intrusion of the Watchmen universe into the DC universe and interactions thereof. And it must have been intimidating as all hell to have somebody like who's going to follow Alan Moore on this. Jeff Johns and sorry Gary Frank have done a fantastic job at 
these characters and they were so thoughtful about what's the way to do this that it's not only a big event it's got all kinds of the right character interactions and little mysteries and yeah i always wonder what would happen if moments some new characters introduced some wonderful return of things that you've gone before it just it's a riveting read and it, it really is such a the testament to the richness of the mythology that is in the dc universe that they were able to make all kinds of reference as to the multiverse, the metaverse, and how much of a role Superman plays in all of it. That he's such a, at one point, they, I don't remember who it was, maybe Archie Goodwin, somebody that said the S on Superman's chest doesn't stand for Superman because there wasn't an S on Krypton. That's the Kryptonian symbol for hope. Oh, yeah. And this book goes really well into that. Wow. The limitations of writing that character is that he doesn't get to get gritty like Wolverine or something like that. He's, a decent guy that just happens to be the most powerful guy on earth. He's a big boy scout. I talked about that, the Captain America equivalent, if you will. And they really go into that. Dr. Manhattan being an all-powerful guy who can see the future and actually maybe is creating that future. But then he's also trapped because if he's already seen something happen, is does he have to be that way? Or now that he's discovered the multiverse, is it that there's this alternative that every time you make a decision, it splits, it calves off new universes? And how does he work within that how does he keep track of it who does he want to be in each of those different so such big issues and ideas to discuss and they do it with such excellent storytelling and intriguing like here's what's come on before and here's how we can explain it and then especially the last issue where they talk about here's things that are going to happen in the future by 2025 we're going to see this and by 2028 and it's things like Here's where the DC and the Marvel universe are going to meet because the big green defender that dies holding off all of this enemy. Wait, you mean the Hulk? This is DC. Wait, what, what? And so he did this as a challenge to those companies of, I don't care what corporate moguls you are now owned by. You might want to get together and do this ultimate Marvel DC crossover because I've laid the seeds so well. Oh, it was, and, and like rereading it, it really is. I, I knew, of course, what was going to happen. But then seeing the craft, like rewatching re a mystery movie, it's, he really was fair. He left all these clues. I caught some of them. I missed others. You get so much of that admiration for the craft that went into this. I just recommend it to anyone. Folks, if you haven't read The Doomsday Clock and, and you enjoyed Watchmen, ask Santa to bring this. Go check it out from your library, whatever. It's just an amazing it, it is it is the equal of Watchmen in so many ways. Do you know what I mean? It just is such a great extension of that and leaves such cool new things to happen. Wow. I've got, wow. <laughs> I've got Doomsday Clock, but I haven't read it. Colin has and loves it. It's those are definitely his top one of his top yeah. sets. It's so. they're real it's really good. That's one of the things I don't know. I'm gonna reread it every five years out of reappreciation for the Dark Knight Returns and a certain just top of the line comic books. It's just so great to revisit. Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol and be like, every issue, this guy knocked it out of the park, taking things we already knew and then adding all these crazy, odd, weird things. What a fountain of ideas. What a, what a fountain of crazy, but it works, this guy was. And yeah. for years, that extended burst of creativity, I just have such admiration for people that, that can do that. That can take, you got 60 years worth of comic book history and you made it even better? Oh, man. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> Can't recommend it highly. Mine, it's a series by a la lady writer named Ann Charles, uh, okay. the Deadwood series. 
it's I interviewed her and it was so funny because she's a USA Today bestselling author. And she was that way for two years before she found out. (laughs) She didn't (laughs) know. She's really that much of like a recluse, I guess. Well, they don't tell you. They don't ring up the authors and say, hey, you're on the USA best. So she never checked (laughs) because she's an independent author and just never thought about it. Just a nice flurry of events all collided to give her enough sales across the board. The the check showing up would have been a big clue. Well, my residual check is pretty nice. She didn't think about it. And so she actually did a book bub deal and they wrote up a little blurb and said, USA Today bestseller. She called them and said, hey, you need to fix that. They said, you are. And they sent her a screenshot of from two years ago. And she's I didn't even know. (laughs) But she was also a Jeopardy question. So they did on her stuff. Interesting. So so like Deadwood is not the town in South Dakota. It is. Oh, it is. She lived there for a while and bases it on that. She said, so what she describes them as is a cozy mystery, but there's more swearing and sex in it than most cozy mysteries and a touch of supernatural. And if you look at the covers, these These sound fine. (laughs) Yes. The the covers are fantastic. They're drawn and they're in that kind of that Mexican Southwest style with the skeletons and the hats and all of that. It's what it reminds me. work around the sides of them. Maybe I've seen these. I'll put some links up, but that's, all right. it was wonderful Deadwood to talk. And Charles and Deadwood. Got it. Deadwood. Okay. Yep. And she just Very came cool. out with a Christmas special in that series on Friday. So, Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, we were talking about every one of our next episodes. It really should be what are our recommendations for what's new, what we have loved so people can get it for our your beloved mate? You know what I mean? Wow, right. they should be reading this. They should be listening and playing and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we should. Go hog wild for Christmas about yeah. <laughs> shopping <And> recommendations. <laughs> in two weeks, I propose we get a guest on. Colin is going to C2E2 next week okay. uh, for Chicago. So he'll see... Have him that. give the review of the state of the art. Yes. Very cool. As okay. long as he doesn't have to go to work, because like today he had to be at work at nine. So okay. we'll have to see. We can shift our podcast to accommodate his schedule. Exactly. That'd be okay. cool. Or at least, you know, we could do a section with him at a different time and tack it on uh, if it doesn't That's last all the time. Exactly. So yeah. So okay. All right. Before we go, do you have a trivia for the week? I didn't get one. I, I was gonna look one up and forgot. I I should have made a note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I can. So what are like some of my favorite things that I often, so does it have to be like, I don't know, geeky, what's Rembrandt's last name? Because everybody thinks it's Rembrandt. Wow. I don't even have a clue. I don't think I've ever heard that. It's Van Ryan. Really? J-N. So I hope I pronounce it with the right sounds in there. Van Ryan is. is Wow. (laughs) And boy. So that was, here's, here's the geekiest thing I know. And honestly, if this, I, I will fall out of my chair. What's Jetson's Astro? What's Astro's real name? Because they adopted him or found him. Really? The previous wow. owner had a different name for him. Nobody I know has ever gotten this. It was like one episode of the Jetsons, of course, from 50 years ago. Why did it stick in my fevered brain? Because that's just the weirdo that I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember Elroy, but no, I have no idea. It's Tralfaz. Wow. <laughs> that... I, so that that might be the, you get a drink at every bar with this one. Yeah. If anybody knows who the Jetsons are nowadays. But it's like <laughs> something from Terry Pratchett. <laughs> Honestly, I just, 
I, I there's I'm sure there's all kinds of obscure single episode references in The Simpsons or in you know South Park or something like that. But Jetsons, any cartoon that made it in the '60s, it really was like everybody watched the Flintstones, everybody yeah. watched the Jetsons. So it isn't super obscure. It really was mainstream, and yet with time and with specificity, they're not always easy. So there, that's a <laughs> that's definitely pulling one out there. Now I got to find something to top that. I'll have to find something really I'll, good. I'll try to find, find good stuff each week. We, we can make this a feature. Very good. Very the good. funny thing is, I know you used to do trivia nights at the pub and right. I read some trivia here and there. So th there's a million of them and I probably know answers to a lot of them. It's just at this, oh man, I got to think of one. <laughs> right. And it's, uh, there's any number of times, as you might imagine, I mean, you know, boy, <laughs> having been on Jeopardy and had any number of things that they didn't come in 15 seconds, they came in 20. It's very frustrating when you yeah. know it. And that's, oh, that cost me. In fact, maybe you, I don't know if you've done it. Mensa has a thing called Culture Quest. Yeah. And they, it's really not only trivia, it's significa, if you will. It's the things you really should know to be a cultured person. And as they've done it many years now, it has gotten more and more obscure. So it's no longer what it once was, where it was based on the books that said, what should you as an adult be aware of in the seven lively arts and stuff? Having said that, first time in my life, I, I really mean this, a couple of years ago, there was a comic book question. And I, it was, we read it early on and you have an hour and a half to do this. And I could not get to the answer in 90 minutes, 85 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I have this thing where oftentimes you and I will be talking and then the answer will pop out because as I've mentioned, my little file clerks are going through my brain and they'll come out with it. I could not summon this. I couldn't actively think of it. I couldn't let my amazing, weird, remember everything Orn brain think of it. It's one of the most frustrated I've ever been in my life because it's, so what's the name of the Silver Surfer's home planet? And I just- Colin would know that one. Because it's not only been once, it's been throughout Silver Surfer lore. Yeah. It's where Galactus threatens the planet, takes him on as the Herald and right. save his planet. And I just, I couldn't believe I couldn't summon it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, I, well, you know, of all the, this is so unhumble, but I really, that was the first step I thought of, man, I lost a Nora. <laughs> Everything else, I can remember things from when I was, Saturday morning cartoon shows when I was five. I remember so much of everything I've ever read. I don't have an eidetic memory, a photographic memory, but I often can recall, like, that was on the left side of this page and about two thirds of the way through. If I had to find it, I could. So I don't know how my mind works, but it really has been incredibly dependable about getting to those kinds of things up until that moment. And I just was like, oh, no, um, it's flowers for Algernon time. I'm going to start fading. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, hold that one. I'm going to think about it. We'll talk about it next week. OK, because I know go. like you, I know that one. And I'm not going to come to you. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up. I want to really remember. Okay. It. So, All right, man. All right. Always a pleasure. Later. Sounds good. Welcome to December. Enjoy the Advent calendar. That tomorrow's yes. first day opens. Yes, there. first day. We have it already. Thank you. <laughs> there and you go. Okay. Shirts for everybody. Oh, there. Exactly. I the missed it. Speakery. <laughs> there we go. And get all the way down to the pop. Oh, that's cool. If I go up to yeah. the <laughs> screens, be your purple screen or whatever. This all right, picture. man. Later. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week. <laughs>